Two Dead Girls in Jubilee contains material that may be upsetting to some audiences, including sudden loud noises, adult language, and depictions of murder and suicide. For more information, please find us on Instagram at Two Dead Girls Pod. That's the number two Dead Girls Pod. At age eight, I was plucked from the Hoagie Carmichael K-12 cafeteria by Mrs. Dina Verbrugge. After that, we met twice a week. I wasn't asked. I was told. She taught me that the long side of a triangle is a function of its legs. That the borders of America are the legacy of greedy Europeans. That words like knock and knee have silent Ks because they come from Vikings. Mrs. Verbrugge had a saying, there's something under there, which meant she saw the whole world the way Pa saw a busted tractor. There's always a reason a thing is how it is. It can be known if you study it, perhaps even changed. After Annie died, the world seemed like a dark and random place. And so the things I learned from Mrs. V became a buttress to my reality. A list of facts that could still be counted on. I guess that's how I found myself reciting the second law of thermodynamics to Ma, exiting a theater in Kent. Systems evolve towards equilibrium. Meaning what? Bright stuff gets dimmer and hot stuff gets colder. But what does that have to do with the leftover popcorn? It, it's gonna be gross and nobody's gonna eat it. I'm gonna eat it. Cost four dollars. It's August 8th, 1997. Three weeks since Annabelle was killed. We're heading home. Can you hurry? I have to pee. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. Literally an emergency. If it was such an emergency, you should have gone at the. Th- was this like this? Was what? Shh. The log is scratched. Old knob is bent. Somebody tried to break in. Stay behind me. through the window. Someone was here. What? There's... There's a light on up there. Wait, what are you doing? Going up there. We should go to town. Get the sheriff. I've had enough of him for my lifetime. story, a deadly storm, a missing girl, and in Jubilee, Indiana, a homicide investigation. Annabelle was this beautiful, innocent little girl. Well, beautiful is a stretch. Hang, hang on, are you recording this? 
We're learning a second girl, Jessica Kaplan, has been found dead. There was no wiggle room for gut instincts. And anyway, this wasn't anything concrete, just a confluence of coincidence. Conspiracy. That's what I say. Goddamn conspiracy. 33% of murders in this country are never solved. Any reasonable person. And he's no criminal mastermind. I mean, double homicide? Hey, hang on, Ronnie. Your partner was gone the day Annie went missing. Wayne Harmon, okay? Jesse Kaplan's uncle? This is Two Dead Girls in Jubilee. Chapter 6 Forces to the Contrary. You alright? Yeah. Find anything new? A partial boot print. Definitely a lot easier in the sunlight. Of course, there's a hundred nice, clean ones of me crisscrossing the yard. Probably trampled best evidence last night before you and Liam even got here. He's hard on himself, Denson. He was another Mrs. V kid. That was when I thought I was in love with him. Or in love with an idea that he was the only boy in Jubilee adjacent to. And of course, it was before Annie before it became a lot harder to look him in the eye. What happened? Liam thinks he came up from the wood line. That's higher ground, so wouldn't show the prints. I don't mean the brick. I mean, don't, um, don't take this the wrong way, but I always thought you were going to be the one that got out of here. Uh, it's... Kind of hard to figure out the right way to take that. Uh, yeah, sorry, I... I'm proud of what I do. You should be. I'm not... I, I just want to make sure... That what happened that you and Annie didn't somehow mess me up? Yeah, I, I guess. Well... Denson, there you are. Oh. <sighs> hey, boss, what's up? Can you take that print to the crime lab? Oh, sure, I'll come right back. You will not. Get some rest. Okay. Bye, Myra. Let me guess. You think it's just kids? Uh, print's a little big for a kid. Well, tourists then. Tourists? True crime fans, she means. We're treating it as a serious threat, Mrs. Abernathy. Myra explained the history. Well, that's very refreshing. Can you stay for lunch? Well, no. No? You, you have to take Maisie to school. Dinner then. Friday? Maisie's invited, of course. Ma, he doesn't want to come. He's skin and bones. Besides, he couldn't turn down a grieving widow's invitation, even if he wanted to. I want to tell Denson what's really going on. We can keep him out of the day-to-day, -day, but somebody has to watch the house. Now, I can't do that and chase leads. Okay. Just like that? Yeah, I trust him. She thinks that you and I are, are romantically involved. You know, the whole dinner thing, it's... I'll call later. I'll make up an excuse. Forget it. 
What? Come for dinner, if you want to. I, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> Look, there aren't a lot of people in my life. There's no one, actually, besides Birdo. I learned early that you can only be hurt by losing people if you let yourself depend on them. And it feels like every time I start to unlearn that lesson, every time I start to think that I am safe and the world is back to normal, somebody throws a brick through a window. What I'm saying is, I'm, I'm trying to be friends, but that's a hard thing for me. So if I act weird about the prospect of totally normal social situations, don't take it personally. Okay. Come to dinner. Bring Maisie. Maybe it's better if Mal thinks we're dating. Okay. I'll, uh, see you later. Yeah. See you later. I sit on the porch step and watch Liam go, running my fingers through deep grooves in the cedar planks, like I did on a different porch in a different time, waiting for Ma. August 8th, 1997 ended with a battered lock and a mysterious intruder, but it began inauspiciously, at least in the context of life after Annie. After lunch, Ma insisted on dropping me off for a piano lesson. Mrs. Newsom and I muddled through the hour apathetically. Until very recently, these lessons were with one instructor and two pupils. Annie and I were learning a duet. Ma said that this was part of healing, getting back to normal. But I don't normally sit on Mrs. Newsom's steps waiting for a ride. I'd be on my bicycle if there wasn't a killer on the loose. And there has to be a killer on the loose. Because the only alternative is that the killer is Pa. Ma pulls into the driveway, ten minutes late. And I see instantly that she's broken her one rule. She's been crying. What's wrong? Nothing. Is it Annie? Or Pa? Do you know what a plea deal is? No. Let's go see a movie. Take our minds off things. What's a plea deal? We can get popcorn. What's a plea deal? It's when a grown-up admits they did something wrong. Even if they didn't, they get less punishment. Well, that's lying. I want you to know something. No matter what happens, no matter what anyone says, he would never hurt Annie. He would never hurt you. Neither one of us would hurt you. There's no multiplex in Jubilee. Not in 1997, and not today. We debate the St. Clair Theater in Vincennes before settling for a second-run theater in Kent. We get tickets for Liar Liar, arriving well into the first act. We watch, but don't laugh, get popcorn, but don't eat, not much of it. And then we go home, 
and find the caterpillar shower curtains flapping in the wind. You there. Turn around. Ma, wait, Ash. Turn around, or I'll shoot. Guess it's too much to ask that you do me that favor. Pa? Ed? Is, is that you? You changed the locks. What happened to the window? You're supposed to be in jail. You haven't heard? Heard what? I found Jesse Kaplan's body in the quarry while I was sitting in my cell. Guess I'm an innocent man. Isolated systems evolve spontaneously towards equilibrium. I asked Mrs. Verberge, what about the birth of a star? The universe is full of examples of disorder becoming order. For instance, your father comes home a free man. And Mrs. V, she just shakes her head. An increase in order is always a local phenomenon. Zoom out. Then you will see, although this isn't quite how she put it, that all matter and energy is united in a suicide pact. When two atoms come together, the rest hurtle all the faster towards oblivion. So your father wins back his good name because poor sweet Jesse Kaplan met your baby sister's killer. Paul looks at me, and I think for a moment, for maybe the last moment, we are on the same page, marveling at the entropic decay of everything we thought we knew. What might one embrace have done? One sign that I could forgive if he could. Instead, fixed in his gaze, I feel only two things. Anger and shame. The popcorn bucket falls from my grasp. And before I can call out to my past self to somehow do better this time, I flee. A new tape? Is it Wayne? Not Wayne. Uh, not exactly. Black Sheep by John Anderson. It's Wayne's sister, Sue. Jesse's mom. Before anybody gets too excited, I have something I want to say. I think we should turn this whole thing over to the FBI. Well, hang on. You were the one who told me to do this in the first place. I heard about the break, Myra. <laughs> Seriously? I didn't know it was a secret. We don't even hang know on, for sure. Hang on. We assumed until last night that we had the element of surprise, right? But if that brick was thrown by the killer, and I think that is the working assumption, I don't want to be responsible for what happens if we keep going. We all knew the risks. Nobody is surprised by that brick. Maze. Well, they shouldn't be. That's right. Anyway, we can't just pass this off to the FBI. Why not? Because we have zero hard evidence. All we have is a breadcrumb trail from an amateur investigator. 
if the brick was thrown by the killer, if he really did kill Pa, if all this really does stem from the investigative trail we're on, then we should be encouraged. Because it means that what we're doing is making the killer feel threatened. Or making him angry. Liam, you're with me on this, right? I want to catch the guy, but Berto has a point. It's a risk. What makes it safer to stop? If we made him mad, I think the safest thing to do is catch him. Mace, it's your decision, Myra. I feel as guilty as Berto. I dragged you back into this, but you're the one who's already lost half your family. You're the one taking the biggest risk if we carry on. I appreciate the concern. I really do. And a week ago, I might have been with you on this. But we can't stop now. How's your husband? He's in an assisted living place. Same as his father. He always said it was the family curse. He spends a lot of time wandering around the ward. Looking for Jesse. I don't go out there much. It's hard. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Brenda know you're in at Ernie's. Somehow, I don't, I don't think she'd like that. She's visiting Myra. Up in Chicago. But not you. I, uh... I wasn't invited. Still at odds about that telethon? About what you said to the reporter? <laughs> We've been more or less at odds for 20 years. But, yeah, telephone didn't help. I said some horrible things in front of her, you know, right here in this restaurant. While you were locked up. The sheriff was keeping everything under wraps and we just assumed... Anyway, what'd you want to discuss? I'm looking, um, I'm looking for your brother, actually. Wayne. Oh, dear. Owes your money, I bet. He owes everyone. I'm sorry to tell you, you won't be seeing it. He's gone. Gone? Like, dead? <laughs> Heavens no. Well, possible, I guess, but that's not what I meant. We don't miss him. It's horrible, but true. I'm relieved he's gone. You two didn't uh, have a lot going, did you? <laughs> Sometimes I forget you Abernathy's moved here grown. We Harmons, my father and three generations on back, we are poor folks. I did well in school, I caught Jerry's eye, married up. Wayne went the opposite. Plunked out, followed Dad into the quarry. He was lousy at hard work. He took up in Jubilee Acres in a trailer, and from what I can gather, he was sort of a celebrity hooligan there. Then on to French Lick, or wherever the wind took him. Was he close with Jesse? No. No, it was complicated between him and the Kaplans. Between him and Jerry, especially. On a few occasions, I, I snuck Jesse out to visit him. He was her uncle, after all, and I just regretted it. Because it wasn't about her or what was good for her. It was about convincing myself that money hadn't made me less a part of the family. I should have done it for better reasons. Christian reasons. 
But the truth is that if I knew then what I know now, I have a few precious moments I'd have with that girl. I wouldn't have gone even once. I wouldn't have shared her with anyone. I know the feeling. This is going to sound, uh, I'm sorry for asking, but do you think he could have killed her? Does Brenda know you're poking around in this? I don't know. You don't know? I didn't set out to conceal it. I just, no sense opening old wounds. Not until I find something. My husband went down this road after the Charleston killer's alibi for our girls came through. Word got back to me that Jerry was going around offering an extravagant reward for information. That he'd browbeat Craig Donnelly and, and maybe others, although what about I have no earthly idea. There's something there, this, this primal masculine duty to protect the tribe, something fundamentally male about fixating on catching the killer, about, about thinking that this will somehow fill the hole left by not being able to protect your daughter. No, no, hang on. No, no, I... I mean it as a compliment. You and Jerry feel that weight, that responsibility verging on obsession because you're good fathers, not despite it. And you and Brenda don't. Sure we do. But it's different. It, Maybe that sounds old-fashioned, but my obsession is with nurturing the memory of my girl, making sure that some little bit of good comes from what I lost, not with obliterating the thing that obliterated her. This isn't about revenge. It's about justice. I doubt that very much. Still, there will be no justice. You need to think about that, Ed, because there is no punishment that fits this crime. Nothing is going to bring our girls back. I still have to know the truth. And you think the truth is that Wayne did it? I'm pursuing all possibilities. <laughs> you sound like Donnelly. You knew Wayne better than anyone. Do you think he was capable of it? <sighs> Give me that napkin. What's that? The address of Wayne's mobile home. It's boarded up or closed, but it's still out there. Maybe you'll find what you're looking for. Thank you. Hey, Sue. Yeah? Did Jerry, did he find anything? No. You know what I told him? To let it go. That? Or I was going to leave him. Brenda is still alive, Ed. Myra is still alive. We can love the dead and miss them. But they don't love you back. You're allowed to go on without them.
Hey. Hey. What you thinking about? I don't know. Everything that happened between me and Pa, why he did what he did, I guess, and if I'm making the same mistakes or... I don't know. What's a telephone? It's like a, a fundraiser on TV. But you don't want to talk about it? Not really. Dad and I don't talk about my mom. I picked up on that. It must be hard. We keep it inside. Like you. One time, he threw his wedding ring out the car window, going like 70 miles an hour. Did he say why? No. But you can be sad someone is gone and be mad at them too. Does that make sense? Once they leave you behind, you're just left. You can't make them explain. You can't leave them back. Yeah. That's how it was with Pa. It was like that even before he died. Your dad, he still wears a wedding ring. Is it the same one? Mm-hmm. He borrowed a metal detector. I found it under a fast food wrapper. The, uh, telephone. It's for... No more missing girls. Is that your mom's thing? Her foundation. Well, her and Sue's. It was a big deal in the 90s when my sister was still in the tabloids. But people move on, you know? People forget. Yeah. Same with mom. Yeah. A few years ago, the 20th anniversary... Ma was determined to make a big splash and get the foundation back on the map. She called in favors, took out ads. She begged me to come down here and do a live interview. I tried to say no, but... Well, you've seen her. Anyway, when it comes to family stuff... Annie stuff... I have this way of... Of not getting where I'm supposed to be. I take wrong turns and stop to check my makeup and stand outside places like I'm scared of doorknobs. And so by the time I finally get inside the TV studio, I'm too late. Pa's out there, in the chair, foisted into my interview, telling the story of the first time Annie caught a fish. She'd been so proud, he says. She'd talked about it all the way home. He'd somehow filleted the tiny thing and served it on this little plate. But when she laid eyes on it, she burst into tears. So he rushed it back to the kitchen and bought a look-alike at a pet store and spent the next year convincing her it was just a misunderstanding. It was a good story. About what a sweet girl Annie was. About how hard he tried to be a good dad. Then the host says, You know, this interview was supposed to be with your other daughter, with Myra. And he says, yeah. And she says, do you know where she's at? And he says, no. And it just hangs there for a minute. Like, maybe we'll just leave it and go check in with the phone lines. But then Pa says, she makes her own way through the world without taking much account of anyone else. Which, I was MIA, true, but- What's MIA? Missing. 
I... I shouldn't be telling you this. I've probably heard worse. Yeah. Probably. Anyway. The host says, Is that what happened in 1997? When Myra sent Annie home alone? And Pa says, Yeah. I, um... I, I guess it is. And the host says, I know parents are supposed to forgive and forget, but be honest. Do you still think about what would have been different if Myra had done the right thing? And he said, Of course I do. I've never stopped thinking about that. So I left, um, not, uh, not quietly, and they all came chasing after me. And I turned and I said, you don't get to blame me. Anyone else can, but not you, because you're the reason she's dead just as much as I am. And I slammed my car door and I shouted, by the way, I'm the one that caught that fish. And that was the last thing I ever said to him. Over four years ago. That's how old the first tape is. In the notebook, give or take. How long have you been there? Long enough. He could never let go of Annie. I keep thinking, there's Mrs. Kaplan, right there on tape, telling him, don't do this, you idiot. It will destroy everything you have left. But Annie was gone. His and Ma's marriage was a shell. And I'd cut him out. What did he have left? And how can I resent that obsession with Annie and what it did to my relationship with him and yet still be here doing all the same things he did? She could have just as well been talking to me. You don't have to, you know. Do the same things. No. That's the worst part. I want to. I don't want to hand it all to the FBI. I don't want to slink back to Chicago and safety. I want to get up tomorrow morning and go find Wayne Harmon's trailer. I want to see this through to the end. Okay. Then that's what we're going to do. Mrs. Kaplan calls it tribal masculinity. The invisible force at the root of this chase. But that's not true. I may be a bug girl from Jupiter, but I'm still a girl. I think Mrs. Verbrugge would contend that what happened to Annie and Pa and me, it's just the second law of thermodynamics. It's the fact that everything warm will eventually go cold, that everything whole will fall apart. Mrs. V might say that if we stand far enough back to look at the whole picture, we see that losing things we love is just the way of nature. But humans can't stand back, not really. And so chasing the Jubilee child killer, that's nature too, human nature. In the face of immutable facts of the universe, we grit our teeth and resist. We try to hold things together, to preserve the warmth and the light and the things we love despite all forces to the contrary.
Tear apart the pieces of our home I've never wanted to know Why you could never let go Two Dead Girls in Jubilee was written, directed, and produced by Ethan Wellen. It stars Emily Goss as Myra, Zachary Cantrell as Liam and Denson, Susan Harmon as Brenda, Michael McShane as Ed, Marcelo Tubert as Berto, Haley Kewen as Maisie, Kitty Swink as Sue, Carrie Gutierrez as Young Myra, Original Score by Kevin Hutchins, Associate Producer Emily Goss, Associate Producer Zachary Cantrell. One Eye Open was written and recorded by Andrea Perez and Peyton Widener. I guess I've never wondered what you were searching for. Thanks to Kat, Ron, The Evans, Monisha, Jack, David, and Tyler, without whom there could be no Jubilee. If you enjoyed listening, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend. For cast bios, episode transcripts, and more, find our little town on Instagram at Two Dead Girls Pod. That's at the number two Dead Girls Pod. Thanks. Two Dead Girls in Jubilee is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to real events or to persons living or dead is purely coincidental.